trouble over here to Hayne. Steps inside too, he's still going, Jared Hayne. Last tackle, he comes back over to the left-hand side of the field, he's still going. Chased by Thompson, he gets it out now. It's going to be a turn on the side of Mahu. a short ball from Jared Hayne. And it's the Eels who get the first try. Richard, Norman, Moses. Beautiful long ball out there. Jennings! And they're in! Beautiful work play and a lovely ball. Richard! I think that's going to be a try. He took a shot at it. He ran into a manly play. He was offside. He pirouetted. And no one moved up on the inside. And he's in. With Parramatta leading Manly 20 0. Richard, Norman, he had runners inside now. He's got himself. Ta ta! And a beautiful try. The offset Travojevic. Now Moses kicking on the third. This is a try. Jennings! Brilliant! Smart player, isn't he, Moses? In good position again. Moses. Norman, beautiful pass. Under Kenny Edwards, and they're in again. A little bit of razzle-dazzle here now, Moses. He looks shapes to kick. Comes back on the inside. He's away. Gets the ball back to Gutherson. Gutherson's going to score. And what a try from Parramatta. They kept the ball alive. Refused to die with it. And that is a sign. Playing with immense confidence. Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? 40. Hey, boys. PM. I'm here, guys. Uh, unfortunately, Ham uh, is still stuck at ANZ Stadium celebrating, so he hasn't been able to join us this week. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, but hopefully, he, we'll get him back next week. I think he got chucked out, and he's in one of those cloak, you know, the little clothing cloaks where they put the coats or something there. He lost his ticket, and they locked him in there. <laughs> <laughs> may not, that may or may not be true. Like a ride, I reckon. Now, <laughs> first win of the season. We're very pumped. It's been a long time. Oh, it's been a long time, man. We'll get into the review of that, but firstly, a little bit of news. We'll start with the um, the big uh, announcement out of last week, which is uh, Kidwill has come back to the club as a defensive coach. So he had previously held the um, New Zealand head coach job, uh, which probably wasn't his best stint uh, in as a coach. And then before that, West Tigers defensive coach. Again, not, you know, great uh, jobs on the resume. I think there was a tie to BA back in Melbourne, though, wasn't there? They were both assistant coaches or coaches in some, in some capacity back in the day. That's right. Um, yeah. Sure I did come through the Melbourne system at one point. I think BA was under twenties coach when Kibble might have been an assistant yeah. or something, something like that. Yeah. So there's there's an odd that there was odds that there was a connection there at least. So there's something there. Yeah, he's a former player, former ill, so that that's always good. And you know, as soon as he's appointed, we get a win. So if at the worst he's another person for BA to bounce our ideas off, um, and you know that could only be a positive. Um, on to the next bit of news, which came out after we recorded last week, which is Clint Gutherson being appointed the co-captain. Now, with Timmy Manor on the bench again this week, we'll see uh, Captain Gutho uh, captaining the team again. Yeah, well, given that Bo missed last week with, a, with what's come out now to be revealed as a rib injury, which has got him out indefinitely, and with Tim on the bench, Gutho is in all but name the, the primary captain for the team now, which I suppose is a worthy appointment given that he's always been... Uh, the talismanic heart of the team since he uh, took over 
the fullback responsibilities in 2016. Well, he was 5'8", fullback, wing. He was everything in 2016. Uh, next bit of news was the Eels training session, uh, where apparently uh, a couple of the um, players in the uh, the top sort of echelon of the team decided to get in and um, absolutely belt each other off the back of news that BA had lost the dressing room. Um, so everybody fired up. It seems to have worked on the weekend. Maybe maybe just lost the dressing room and found it because they turned up on Sunday. <laughs> so maybe it's as simple as that. Yeah, maybe they maybe moved they'll it find, Maybe they'll yeah. find another fortnight. They all want well, to there's, play that game. So. There, there's, a, there's a few demountables at the old sales yards. Maybe they were using one of them as a dressing room and it got lost and found. Might just move them. That's all I can say. What, what a what a stupid rumour. And I'm glad that the team addressed it unequivocally like they did on Sunday. That was a, a great way to hose them all down. And just on that, uh, the Paul Crawl, uh, sorry, the Crawley article after the game, uh, <laughs> getting, blasting, get, getting your media types mixed up there, Paul, Paul Crawley. Yeah, sorry, I, I was I was going to rant about Paul Kent as well. Um, but anyway, <laughs> first of all, Crawley and the um, the post match couldn't have anything positive to say about Moses and Norman, and you know, good on the boys for not. Uh, answering any questions to that scum. Um, if you're going to make up baseless rumours for the last six weeks, don't expect players to come out and be interviewed, uh, interviewed by you. Uh, both Moses and Norman were interviewed by both, uh, I think, Triple M for Norman, and um, Moses and Norman both did some work on Fox Sports afterwards as well. Um, so it's not like they didn't give their opinion or they were completely uh, uh, not entertaining the media at all. Uh, they decided not to give a response to one journo who had been um, raking mud on the club for the last six weeks. Yeah, and he had another go tonight on NRL 360, Crawley. I mean, what, he's obviously got something against him too. And, you know, as and you say... Phil, and <laughs> I was about to say Phil Kent. Phil, he's, Paul Kent well, he's uh, took, took exception yeah. at, at Jared Hayne last night as well with um, his comments in regards to... Uh, sort of pointing out that the, the players took exception to the, um, the the idea that Brad Arford lost the uh, dressing room and he tried to spin that into, well, if you need that as motivation, you're doing something wrong. But I think that was more that Jared was trying to make the point that the team don't care if the media criticises them, but when they went after Brad Arford like that, I think they went too far. It, it, it reminds me of um, when Jared Haynes didn't say hello to Paul Kent at the Origin or whatever it was, you know, and he had a big beef it, about that. Yeah. Like, Kent, Kent and Hayne is a long-running feud. Yes, like, it goes. It's, it's just petty, petty, you know, crap. Like, and Paul Crawley, or whatever his name is, the, the Raiders <laughs> he, like, he comes out and says the fans want to know. Oh, hang on, we, you know, we don't. He doesn't speak for us. He's just a a journal that kicks in to us. You know, he's like, like we, like, we don't care what he says. I, I don't think anyone cares what he says. But like to say he speaks on, like you know, he he wants like the fans want to know what the players think. We know what they think. You know, like. Or what they, what they, you know, how they respond. It's just a, oh, it's just petty, petty bullshit. Yeah, well, the the clubs and the players plus the coaching staff are obliged to do two media sessions a week, one during the week, and then of course one all their post match um, stuff plus some pre match stuff as well. So it's not like they're all hidden away, but because of the way that it is being reported, um, you know, players are driven into these uh, pre planned responses and you know you're not going to get and, and then players that come out and say things they get thrown under the bus like as much as you want to have a go at Tapao saying that oh well we're going to go and win the premiership now um as soon as he says that he cops it from yeah. all angles it's great to see a player not be a cardboard cutout for once because i don't mind you know towing the the politically correct line and you know throwing out sporting cliches but it is also good to have guys that will come out and you know say something interesting and speak off the top of their mind like marty but like you said, he does it, and now he's labelled a class clown and an idiot. 
and it's sort of it's unfair to players where you you criticize them and the media criticizes them because they're you know quote unquote boring uh, because they just throw out the the sporting cliche stuff but then they will tear into someone like Marty Tapau who actually shows and voices something different yeah and even go back to what Ken said about hey uh, instead of saying well look at Jared he's growing up and he's shown a bit of leadership here and he's got into the his teammates to get him fired up for the game instead he said oh why didn't you do that four or five weeks ago you know, some of the media oh, just cannot injured. find a positive at all. You know what I mean? Oh, of course, he was injured. Well, yes. But they can't find a positive. And unfortunately, some of the news limited media seem to be the worst ones for it. And as one of them said last week, I think by Buzz Rothfield, if you put an article on that says so-and-so's done something off the field and then you put one next to it and say what a great game so-and-so had on the weekend, on the website, the ones that about the negative stuff about what so-and-so's done off the field gets... Ten times as many, ten times more readers than what the stuff about the game does. So they're all about making money. They're not necessarily about in it for the game, and that's where the, that's where the, the problem comes here. They're, they're a media organisation trying to make money off clicks and advertising on their website. And this is what I, on the Discord earlier today I was I was talking about is that in the the current sporting environment, it's far easier to write an op-ed or an opinion piece and you know sort of just throw it out there straight after a game rather than is doing sort of investigative journalism. Because I don't mind the media putting the, you know, I say putting the boot in, but, you know, telling the facts when it comes to the Parramatta salary cap crisis or Parramatta's own six run or Manly, you know, Manly's both their salary cap crisis and their off the field dramas. But the fact of the matter is, is that to find a positive rugby week story, sometimes you have to do a little bit of work. You have to, you know, dirty, dirty your hands. You have to go out there and do a little bit of investigative work. But if you want to look, there is so much stuff that the league community does that is so good everywhere. You know, whether you're talking about, you know, looking at our opponents from Sunday, uh, the back row of uh, Thompson, he does a lot of fantastic work in the, the um, Indigenous community and I think with um, mental health issues. And, you know, if you want to, you could write a story like that, but it's going to take a bit more work than it does to write up an op-ed piece, which you can, you know, spit up and chew out in a couple of hours. Well, that's right. We're talking up the game, you know, and then pet play, uh, sorry, commentators like Paul Kent having a go saying, well, the players won't talk to us. That's your job to go and do an investigation as a, um, you know, league reporter. It's not up to everybody to come and bring you a story like, you know, the player managers who are going to bring you the, the story about BA, you know, uh, losing the dressing room so that they can try push in their own men to go into the uh, the coaching role. Um, you've just got to do an actual, do your job, and then you might actually get some stories that get some clicks. All right, let's move on from that. On to uh, two rumours. Um, again, both rumours. One's got a bit more uh, weight to it than the other. Apparently, Junior Paulo signing for the 2019 season on a four-year deal worth 700k a season. Uh, thoughts? Probably steeper than some fans would like, but the going rate for a big, you know, dominant prop is you know above that these days. And unfortunately, you're not going to get a bargain buy unless you develop it yourself. And even then, you've only got a couple of years until they start getting mega dollars. So I like the signing. I think it's not the the whole puzzle solved, but it's a big piece of the puzzle. You get one more big man, one more bookend for next year, and you're talking, you know, a, a pretty consistent forward pack. Uh, but yeah, I like it. Bring home a, a you know a blue and gold junior. Uh, the guy played his best footy for in his career for us back in 2016 uh, and 2015 too. By the matter, uh, yeah, good good signing if it if it falls through like it's sort of been reported by uh, uh, the Fox guy. Uh, Hooper. Yeah, I think it's a good signing. Definitely, he's a big front rower. He plays a lot more minutes now than than what our current front rowers, apart from Alvaro, probably. But he plays more minutes than Timmy. 
His output's really good. He's got a bit of an offload as well. Um, but he's big body, and that's just what we've lacked the last couple of seasons, I think. It'd be good to see him back in the blue and gold next year. Yeah, well, well when, you're, um, when you're desperate for front rowers, you're going to pay, you know, overs or, you know, big coin for them. So, now, hopefully he gets he goes back to how his form when he left us, you know, mid-season. But, you know, like I said, if he if he's, if he's he was on the on the radar for Origin when he left us, you know, um, 700,000 is all right because if he does play Origin, you know, like, automatically his value, um, its value is justified, I reckon, because, you know, he's going to be, because I reckon he could be, um, he could replace up for feeder or whatever in Origin um, team. Not this year, but, like, in the future, but, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's big money either. I, I think it's relative. I mean, yeah, the I, for, I forwards win your game, so. It, it's relative to the market rate, and I, I blogged about it the other day, but um, outside of the, the skill positions, which is your spine, you know, your one six seven nine. Uh, the big blockbusting props are at the the biggest premium in the NRL. They're the guys that are getting crazy money. You look at Jason Tamalolo, you look at Andrew Fafita, you look at any of the premier bookends or Paul Vaughan, James Tamo. The can have a huge influence on a game, and as a result, they're getting the biggest coin outside of the spine. Well, Paul you Vaughan compare and, it to sorry. Paul Vaughan, he's on. The, he'll be on a, a similar money, and he's going well. But then you look at Penrith and what they paid for Tama and Merrin, and you think, yeah, Junior's worth it. So like. You know, I, I'd rather throw money at Junior than, than what they paid for Tamo and um, Merrin, you know. I reckon they offer more than them. Well, it, and it's also against the Wayne Bennett mould, isn't it, is that you don't pay your bookends that much, but the game's changed. And that's one of the most interesting things to see is what happens with Tevita Pangai Jr. because he's going to command crazy money at the end of this year or sometime this year when he eventually signs with or against the Broncos. And it, it goes against the way Wayne Bennett usually structures his salary caps. And just lastly on that, um, I'd like to see him shed a bit of weight. Um, as you were saying before, PM, he played more minutes last year. He's playing an average of 54. Um, this year, he's down on minutes, and he's carrying a bit of extra put around the middle. So maybe dropping five or so kilos in the, the preseason might see him back to his best um, because Ricky's always had players carry extra weight. And I know he did with Timmy Manor when he was here and also Jared Hayne as well. He packed on the beef, um, which led to some injuries. Um, it's all, so. It, it's odd that me and Ricky Stewart don't get on well then, because I'm carrying a bit of extra beef at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe um, talking about positive press, Ricky Stewart can't uh, can seemingly come by that pretty easily, getting on the um, the Matty John show and doing some bloody fluff pieces after his team hasn't been all that great this season. So I guess it's who you know in the media if you want oh, to get ab- those good stories. Absolutely. 100%. He's got a few all friends. Right, moving on to... A fair few. Um, moving on to another rumour, which is Josh Mansour is rumoured to be leaving Penrith at the end of the year. Phil Gould came out this morning to say that um, they're happy for him to go and get his payday. Um, whilst they'd love to keep him, you know, they've they've got a set limit on how much they're going to spend. So there's a couple of players in the running. Apparently, we're favoured up the front, um, but there's also uh, word of West and Roosters also in the running. Yeah, I mean, we obviously want to keep Semi, you know, the best winger in the game, the best winger in the world across any code, really. He's the sort of guy that could walk into the All Blacks and be a dominant presence. So Josh Mansour's in that tier beneath Semi with all the other Premier League wingers. 400k seems pretty good value, if I'm going to be honest. I think wing's probably the most underrated position, salary cap-wise, in the competition. Uh, You can plug any sort of average Joe in there and they'll do a job, but the elite guys, the ones that can have an impact on the game, uh, can do huge things. You look at what Vunavalu and Josh Adokar do for the Storm, uh, what young Nick Kotrick does for the Raiders, and Mansour's always been like that when he's been healthy, which is the the big knock on him is that he gets banged up a bit. 
But 400k for Mansour seems pretty good value uh, for what he can do for your forward pack, for what he can do finishing in the red zone, and how he can you know keep you in a game when it's tough going. Yeah, he's got great leg drive, so coming back, he'll improve our back three if he comes to us dramatically. Like You can afford to have a smaller guy like French on one wing if you've got Mansour on the other one to get your set started. At the moment, if you know, depending on how things go, like George Jennings has stood up, which is really good. He's a bigger body. But having some, if you have Hoffman and French on the wings, it's really hard to get your set started with those first couple of hit-ups because the guys are so small. Yeah. So this would be great yeah. for us. I think having a guy, if we can get, if we can nab him, having a guy like Mansour there on the wing next year will be absolutely phenomenal for us. I think. It, it, I know he's not semi, but he's just, as you said, he's just on that step below him. Well, nobody's semi, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well. That'll wrap us up for the news. Let's jump into the previews and the first win of the season against the Manly Warringah Seagulls, uh, getting a bit back for that round two uh, drubbing with the Eels taking out the win, 44-10. Wow! 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 With try scorers in Mau, uh, who had a... Uh, his first try coming off the wing was a bit strange. <laughs> um, but then George Jennings, <laughs> Kayser Pritchard, Norman, Michael Jennings, Kenny Edwards, and King Gutho, with uh, Moses picking up six from seven conversions and two from three penalties. Um, of course, missing the first one. Um, I don't know about you boys, but that first 20 minutes, I thought we were in for a long day <laughs> after missing the first penalty goal, then kicking the second one, and then the um, the DCE 40-20 and the Brian yeah. Kelly try called back. I thought, uh, here we go oh, again. God, but go. the boys pulled it out. And it just goes to show that one moment can turn a game on its head, even when you're 0-6. And that Manu Ma'u try was a really, really messy lead-up. It was fifth tackle. Uh, the pass went to the ground on the last, I think, and then Norman picked it up, ran to the right, threw it to Moses, who ran back 30 meters to the left, created that three on two with Jared Hayne. Hayne, you know, gets that last uh, gas pathway to Manu, who goes over and centers the ball, and from there, it just it changed the, comp- the the momentum, the flow, the direction of the game, and it sort of took the shackles off us that had been there for uh, six weeks. Yeah, that, w- Confidence that was confidence is a wonderful thing. That was great, oh, great vision. If, as a coach. Yes, yeah, but if a coach, if you could ever manage to bottle up confidence or figure out how to, you know, get it into your squad, you'd be all-time a legend, a genius. It's the biggest intangible in sports, isn't it? But it makes up so much of the the final percent difference between teams. And we got it back on Sunday, and hopefully we keep it for this Sunday. All right, if you don't mind me just running through a bit, of, a few couple of stats first, which saw. A final possession rate of 56 to 44. At the end of the first half, it was 67 to 33 on the big screen. I don't know if that's the same on um, the NRL website. Uh, Completion rate, 92% to 59%. Total sets, 37 to 27. Um, All runs, 171 to 107. So 1,500 metres to us and 460 post-contact metres. Eight line breaks to two, 16 offloads to six. 407 kicks metres to 197. Uh, the Manly with 140-20 in the game, and then they made an extra 90-odd tackles than us and an extra, um, what's that, about 20 missed tackles. And then, of course, on to discipline, we had four errors and six penalties conceded. I think about two or three of them came in the last five to ten minutes. So our discipline was so much better. And Manly had 11 errors, 13 penalties. Um, so, And the, the big important stat for me was the five repeat sets. Um, that short kicking game from Norman and Moses was just on point. I don't think they kicked one dead. No, I don't think so. I don't think there was. 
a repeat set against us, was there? Like, Not against seven no, tackles. Yeah, no, yeah. We, we didn't kick dead for once. Yeah, and we didn't kick dead, which was a huge possession, uh, territorial swing. Um, one thing that it felt, I didn't mention this when I was blogging or chatting, but one thing that felt like on review of that game was that Manly were officiated the way we're usually officiated and vice versa. And geez, it changed the game. It, it just changed everything. We got, you know, early piggybacks, late penalties and counts. Uh, you know, we got the 50-50s going our way and it le- led to, a, uh, I don't know if you saw the article, but the biggest differential swing between two teams in one season in 16 years, which is, you know, close to the NRL era. So that was pretty I've cool. got that in my notes, but you beat me two at 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there, there's so much positive to take out of this game. It's just a matter of whether we can bottle it up and, and push forwards with it. That was Kayser Pritchard's best game in NRL bar none. Uh, you know, George Jennings is doing well again. Our halves look like their 2017 iterations. Manu's back, which we touched on before if he's trying the wing, but he was running with, you know, ferocity coming through them. And that was one of the, probably the things that you're going to note later, Hamish, is that Manu was used a little bit differently this week. Um, you know, traditionally he's a left edge specialist. Um, he parks, parks himself out there and runs lines and, you know, does a lot of hit ups from that side. But he, um, came across on the right edge. He was a lead decoy in the, um, the, but say Greg, the George Jennings try. And he did, um, other work on the right edge as well. And he worked through the middle a ton as well, using his footwork and speed, using his footwork and speed to make big, incisive runs against the tiring manly pack. So that was really cool to see him being deployed a different way. And it certainly brought him to life. There's one. If you don't mind me, just on my, sorry, do you mind? I just, I need to get this out there, PM. I watched the, um, the, re- the replay two or three times. So, uh, Mau, his first stint in that second half, the first 20 minutes of that second half, he just set the tone for the team to go on and win that game convincingly. He just powered it up the middle. He was making 10, 15 metres a run, um, bumping off tackles, tackle breaks, line breaks, uh, offloads. Um, that was the best game he's had since 2016. Yeah, I was about um, to say, I, it was 2016 Manu, wasn't it? Like vintage, uh, you know, top five back row in the NRL type stuff. Yeah, great game. Great, great return to form for Maru. And also, uh, you touched on before, Kayser Pritchard. Not good enough to pick up the one point in the Deli M voting oh, uh, over Appy. But, <laughs> but uh, a very good uh, game from Kayser, even though he came off with the head knock. He did seem a bit wobbly after that tackle. And that's always been in his game. But the dummy half running, the uh, getting out from dummy half before he passes, not just straight off the turf, uh, engaging the line. And, of course, picking up that penalty uh, was great. Sorry, picking up that try against Jake Turbo was just smart football. And um, he led the charge for our forwards. Yeah, there's there's a few stats. One thing that really stands out to me from this game, as opposed to the six losses in a row, is a completion rate at 92%. If you've got... Mm. You control the ball. In the second half as well. Yeah, we, three, three. There's only three sets we didn't complete out of 37. That's just outstanding in any game. Um, that changes your whole dynamic. You haven't got to make as many tackles because you've got more possession. You're not giving away penalties because you're not in. You're not out defending as much. So things like that make a huge difference to the game. That ball handling was was absolutely sensational. 56% possession and then 92% completion. That's outstanding. The one thing I've got to say is, and I did Do bag. You- he made um, Kayser last week for some of the stuff he did against the Raiders. Got to eat some humble pie. He was close to the best on the park the other day. And the reason why that Norman and Moses had so much time with the ball is because, as Hamish said, he gets out of dummy half and engages the markers and engages the A and B defenders, makes them change where they're looking before he gets a pass away. And some of his darts out of dummy half were superb. So 
Moses might have got me out of the match, but I'll tell you what, Kayser wasn't far behind. Do you have your um your five bullet point list handy, PM? Because I reckon the team did a pretty good job of following that this week. Yeah. Maybe a coincidence that they ended up putting up the victory. Well, you're pretty right there. Timmy coming off the bench, he got more minutes, which got better output, like I said. Um, more more direct when we get in the opponent's 20. There was a lot of that. And if you look at the try that Norman scored, he had players running behind him back on angle. So he had some running towards the corner and some running towards the post. So all he had to do was dummy and it engaged four defenders, which allowed the hole for him to open up to go through. And that sort of thing, we weren't even doing that back in the first few rounds. If we were running decoy runners, we were running ahead of the play and it was too easy to adjust because it was all happening too easy. But it was so much faster in attack, so much more direct. There was a lot less just run up a front rower on the fourth tackle. We used the ball a lot more. And the kicking game that kept pinning Manly down into their corners. But that is, BA had been, would have been drumming those, all those things into him all off season. He must have been scratching his head for six weeks, wondering where in the hell has this been? And all of a sudden it just turns up all in one hit. Now we've got to back it up this week, we've got to back it up the week after. But that is the parameter of football we know. There was offloads. There hadn't, there'd barely been an offload. Oh, there's probably more offloads in that game than what there was in the previous six. A couple of things, um, I think Tony Williams played the whole 80 minutes, which was, you know, I'm very surprised he actually got through it. Like, I thought he would have came off um, for a breather, but that was actually a um, big effort. And the Gufferson try, if you if you watch the replay, you can see as soon as Moses changes direction to cut back in, Gufferson's running straight through the midfield, like back trying to back him up. So, like, that's something we lacked in the first six weeks. You know, fullback, whoever was playing fullback, they weren't backing up or, like, you know, or just on instincts. And he... Got to the, he, got, he backed up on instincts and he was there for the offload um, and to score a try. So that was like, that was uh, an interesting um, thing, seeing something that we missed, you know, Gufferson, you know, he has that instinct. And uh, other than that, you know, our forwards, you know, they ran hard. I don't think, um, I think the, the guy who, the forward that ran the least was probably Kenny Edwards, you know, 60 metres odd. But uh, other than that, it was a, a good performance. Kenny, Kenny would have run 100, 100 sideways, eh? As he always does, <laughs> but he creates holes. But and, and if you look at the case of try, like um, I reckon the reason he scored that because the manly players thought, oh, Turbo, whatever the name, Jake Trebovich was going to get pinged for a penalty. That's why they just eased off. But you know, the yeah, referee smart play. Been, you know, could have blew a penalty, but you know, he let play on. And he would have gone to the bin if he had made a tackle, wouldn't he? So he would have been into the bin. But he's probably better off going to the bin there with a couple of minutes before half time than letting Case score because. We probably would have taken a shot at goal and got two points instead of six, but I think it did, didn't matter because we still had that momentum into the second half anyway and ran over them. But yeah, I did, that was great play from Kayser. He obviously heard the referee call him offside and just run straight into him. And Djokovic just pulled his hands away not to give away the penalty and just opened up behind him. Smart also, play. did you want to find it interesting or weird that we went for the two when we were like forty-two to ten up? Like, was there a reason we went for that? I or? think I think that was to uh, just wear time off the clock so as not to get any injuries because yeah, we'd I already agree. comfortably won the just game. Soak up time was it? And and I'm happy to do that if they've they've won convincingly already. There's no point, as you saw Brad Parker go and tear his meniscus in the last uh, you know ten fifteen minutes just off trying to put his foot down um, on that slippery turf. Yeah, so uh, not too worried about that. What we can be worried about, though, is some defensive lapses. Um, whilst there's a lot of positives out of that game, uh, Manly's two tries in the second half were pretty soft. Um, I thought that first try for Manly, they probably we got we probably got the rubber green there. I've seen those go either way 
in regard to stopping in the line. So um, especially earlier this season when the, the Bulldogs try against Panthers where Maloney was taken out and then they, they still said he had a chance to go and recover. But they've obviously changed that interpretation in the last couple of weeks. And then the um, the last-ditch effort from Gutherson to deny uh, Sean Lane right on the line, um, it was pretty alarming that he was able to get through um, that easily right on our goal line. So um, plenty to, to still work on uh, in the week leading up to the West Tigers this Sunday. Yeah, we won't score our points as easy against the Tigers as we did against Manly on Sunday either. The Tigers' defence is, is the best in the competition at the moment. So we're just going to have to work our plays and be patient. We we can't just go out there and say, well, it's going to be easy like it was last week and throw the ball around, nothing happens, and then drop our heads. We've just got to be patient. And, and the, the, you know, Mitchell and um, Corey have got to put kick to the corners and, and put pressure on them, wear them down is what you've got to do because their four pack's a bit light this week. So I think we can get over them. All right. I just want to touch on last, one last thing, which is what um, BA has been drumming into our heads uh, for the last couple of seasons, which is dictating where the opposition get the ball back. Um, and this season was a, a masterclass in it from Corey and also from Mitchell, um, either getting a repeat set from a dropout or they were pinning Travojevic in his own five-metre zone right on the goal line um, to make them run the ball out of their own end. And, of course, they kept on uh, giving up error after error. And, you know, Manly might have been having a bad day because of all the, the drama surrounding their club, but uh, it's one of those intangibles. Is it the opposition causing those errors or is it yourself? Um, and I thought our defensive line speed was fantastic. We were exactly. up in their kick faces. We were hitting hard. Kick chase as well. There was always three or four parameter eels jerseys in and around um, uh, a player bringing back the ball. So um, this is the team that, you know, we went up to Maitland and we saw it run out over over Newcastle Knights. And we've been wondering where this team's been for the last six weeks. And, um, you know, I know the Cumberland throws copped an absolute bashing on social media <laughs> from, uh, from people because... It sounds dumb, but it's just it's those intangibles in football that you know they've got the skill, they've got the talent, they know how to go out there and win it. But sometimes it's it's just one of those things where you just can't put it together. Sports are dumb; they're crazy, stupid, like nonsensical, and that's why we love it. You know, we were a top four team easily last year, and you know we looked like that in Maitland, and then it disappears for six weeks, and all of a sudden we're back. Uh, you know, and it's frustrating as a fan. But the highs and lows are why you follow this sort of stuff, and, and you know it is what it is. And as re- in regards to whether Manly were good or Manly were bad or we were good, in the end you can only play what's in front of you, can't you? And the fact that we um, ended up with you know a positive thirty-four differential, uh, which was very much needed given our for and against, um, which was the best of the round, you know, speaks to the fact that we played pretty good football as much as Manly, you know, facing the demons from uh, Gladstone and the uh, the strip club out there were bad. So, you know, it's a great start, you know, six weeks late, but we're at the starting line and it's time to make some inroads. And just one more rant, uh, rant Forty. Um, according to, to Paul Kent, it wasn't as good a performance as Sharks against the Panthers because we oh, didn't finish the game as we well. Yeah. Even though Panthers scored two, two tries in the last five minutes, our end of the game wasn't nearly as good as, as the Sharks. A little bit of Paul Kent <laughs> dies inside every time Parra do something good. So we'll, we'll, we'll get Yep. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you uh, get uh, pulled from the team after five minutes in your one NRL stint. Um, I assume you hold a lifelong grudge over that club. You know, I'm frustrated. He played one game and Murata can't get a fucking game. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Paul Kent, in theory, is better than Murata. Please, God. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think Murata's going to get uh, David Gower out of the team anytime soon. He was fantastic on the weekend. That footwork and the, mm, and the um, yep. link plays in the defence. That's what we've been talking about for Wenty for the last, um, you know, uh, since the preseason. Um, so the old Gower workhorse. is like a fine one. Oh, yeah. He just keeps getting better with age. Really fucking hoping we get the cash. You know, for the first um, first half, I thought that was Bo Scott, and I was like, damn, Bo Scott. <laughs> We've got too many bold people on the team. We can only have one. We, we do have <laughs> a few guys said, um, the, the chrome domes and the shave noggins. I like his underhanded offload. You know, when he gets in there and he sort of turns his shoulder a bit with the, his, 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 the ball on his front arm, he just passes underneath the defender's arms back to Kayser or, or, or I think um, Guffo was there at one stage and he got one back to him. That's... Yeah, it's one of the things where the, the, the defender's standing behind. If you do an offload over the top, like I think Terrapo did in the second half, the defensive line see that really clearly. If you do one underhanded like that, by the time the defensive line is getting back 10, notice that we've got an offload. The the player's already made five or six metres and they're still backpedalling. So they're really good, those little underhanded offloads. Don't underestimate the under... And, uh, Don't underestimate the hour. <laughs> is that um, this guy didn't have the greatest game per se, but it sort of underscores his value to the team and, you know, how he can fix a crisis is Will Smith. You know, he came on to deputise Kayser when he got a HIA check and then rapidly shifted out to the left wing when Jared went down with that second uh, hip flexor injury in a slightly different area. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't incredible by any means, but he did a job. And I think it's going to be almost impossible to knock Will out of a team moving forwards because of that, you know, ubiquitous utility value where you can play one to seven, nine, and, you know, you can probably point from into the front row and the guy will give you a fair shot. So, got our first win of the season. We're off We're off to start. We've got a lot to make up, but, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And uh, a 44-10 drabbing over the old enemy um, isn't a bad place to start. Uh, let's move on to a couple of other games. Now, I know we didn't get in attendance for any of these because they're all um, on at similar times to first grade. Didn't allow anybody to get out there. Um, and Ham was, um, I think he had his mum's birthday on. So again, happy birthday, Ham's mum. Um, Wenty, uh, sorry, we did get to this game because it was in the pre-game before um, first grade. We saw Wenty win sixteen um, to Penrith fourteen with try scorers Cameron King getting a, his first try, um, although in the wrong grade. Uh, Davis with a try and Dates as well getting a try and two from three conversions. Importantly, in the end. Um, and Penrith bagging three tries, but only one of three conversions. Uh, very tense for that last 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, Wenty, Wenty are a team that are obviously lacking a little bit of guile and craftiness from their spine, but um, ever since I put them on blast a few weeks back, when I said I don't know when they're going to be able to find another win in the next month or two, um, they've gone undefeated with a, a win over Blacktown, the bye, and then a win over Penrith. So they've found plenty of grit, you know, plenty of character, and they're playing some rugged football. It, you know, it's not pretty, but they're punching up the middle. They're working their asses off in the ruck, and they're giving themselves a shot at winning. So, yeah, really, you know, old school, tough, ugly footy. Love it. Yeah, Evans was good. We went back down there to get some match fitness, I, I believe, was the main reason he went down to Wenny. He played really well. Cameron King was really good, and he shifted to half for a while. And, and it even looked good there at half, and that sort of thing. Um, I think Greg... Greg Luesiao, he sort of struggled a bit. He looks like he's lacking match fitness, and I see he's out injured again. This is a shame for him. He's, he's had a tough start to the season. The other winger, Gaffer, he played really well as well. And the fullback, Josh Hoffman, played fullback, and he was really good. He was probably close to the best player on the field in that game. They played really good, the Maggies. The last time I saw them play, they got absolutely trounced, 
and this was like a di- completely was different the West, team. The West Magpies game? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was the West Magpies. Four to four loss yeah. TV. They were poor that game. Yeah. And we play this week, funnily enough. We'll get to that later. Oh, scary. But this this week, they were so much better. The forwards ran forward. The effort, There's the, the odd offload here and fantastic. there. Yeah. Like all the forwards, even Varve looked better. He looked like he's dropped a little bit of weight and got a bit more match fit since I saw him last. And and, and, and I think Varve was the weakest guy in the pack in that sense, which you know speaks well to Winty's effort as a team. Yeah. In that, you know, they're, they're, put, they're putting in and they're giving themselves a shot to win by doing so. Uh, young Ray Stone was really good. Yeah, he was. He unfortunately dropped the ball late in the game, but he was, you know, running like a maniac, hitting hard. I'm just trying to think. Uh, Murata's defense was really game. good too. He was some yeah, really good yeah. tackles out wide. He was sort of defending um, out um, on an edge. Yeah, for a wrap. Um, you know, the edge guys attacking, um, attacking really well out wide. Um, and then, you know, you saw just a glimpse of Nathan Davis is physically so gifted. You know, he that try he scored, the go-ahead try for Wente. You know, Cameron King threw a shocking pass. Davis scoops it up with one hand. You know, he's about six metres off the line, has three defenders in front of him, and just says, you know what, I'm going to score. And just, you know, drives through three set defenders and slams the ball over. So he, um, he, you know, he continues to have his more diamonds than rocks um, start to the year. So uh, you know, good old Nathan Davis. And once uh, I don't know if or when we're going to promote a few of the flag guys, whether it's Jamin Salmon and Dylan Brown and Reed Marnie into this grade. But if you can give Wenty a, a competent spine, even if they're a little bit inexperienced or make the odd mistake, they're actually a team that could do some damage which is really odd saying that after their start to the year. Yeah, but that's what they're lacking. They're lacking really good dominant halves at the moment, I think. They seem to have a different halves combination nearly every game. And the forward pack, the last yeah, couple of weeks, uh, has been going really Peaky, good. Peaky Rogers, the prop turned 5-8, is undefeated as a half. He's um, had two starts in the halves and knocked over Blacktown and knocked over Penrith. But yeah, they've got Arana Tamada and Peaky Rogers in there at the moment. So it's not exactly a recognised pairing by any means. And just one last point, uh, Andy Saunders started the season with us and then went over to Penrith, and uh, yeah, the boys gave him a little bit of a dressing down. Inside in job. Yeah, I think, he, I think he got player's player for Wenty, did he? Or must be close to it. <laughs> just about. <laughs> um, all right, on to a game which uh, a little bit of a negative over the weekend, flag going down uh, 14 to 18. Uh, they started this game well uh, with a try to su- uh, Salmon and Parry. And then um, Panthers went on a bit of run for about a twenty to thirty minute period, scoring four tries. Yeah, it's been a been a tough fortnight for Flag. They've come across two top four teams and had a two point and a four point loss. So they're you know right thereabouts when it comes to the pace of the top teams in the competition, but they just can't knock off those you know vital two points. And a couple so of injuries as well. You were touching on be, earlier. Yeah, they're gonna you know they're gonna be thereabouts throughout the season. They're going to host the um, winless Tigers this week, so they'll you know, hopefully get them two points and a bit of momentum. But there's plenty of talent. They've got a few more kids coming back soon. Uh, and I say kids, you know, young men, these, you know, six-foot-something giants. But uh, they're going to get stronger. And, they're, you know, they're still working on their combination between Salmon and Brown uh, and Hayes Nasta, who's filling in at fullback for, you know, John Fenora or even J.P. Nora. But, yeah, good, a good team, and they, they will come good. They've just got to, you know, work on closing out games a little bit which comes with the um, relative inexperience of the outfit. And then on to some very positive news, which sees the Eels' Harold Matthews give the Sharks a bath, 46-6, to six, uh, wrapping up eight tries with two to Tui Pelotu, one to Liozu, one to Kumalafi, Mazomo, Russell, Merrick, and 
Birdie's favourite player, Penasini, and seven from eight conversions. Um, now, I don't know if anybody caught the highlights. Um, obviously, we didn't get down there, but um, it seemed like the Eels boys, uh, instead of trying to go around the Sharks, especially on the goal line, they decided to go straight over the top of them <laughs> or through them. Yeah, it, it's funny that the highlights sort of reflect badly on Cronulla, and obviously a scoreline of that magnitude is always going to reflect badly to a degree. But I'm um, chatting to 60s who's out there. He said that uh, through the opening almost first half of play, Cronulla actually defended their, their goal line really well with a lot of intent. Just the Eels aimed up, you know, and got real physical. Um, young bootstraps Bill Penasini, Viliami Penasini had a huge game. Uh, some real big chunk gains that weren't shown on the NSWRL uh, highlights, but he was a, a huge factor down that left edge. And once again, they're playing a good brand of team footy. And, you know, when it comes together like that, and it has for the majority of the season, barring the Canterbury game and then even the Manly game recently in the first week of the finals where they were just edged out, it's very hard to stop. So they're going to go and play Newcastle, I think, which once again we'll get on later. But that's another grudge match. Um, both the Knights and the Sharks have been uh, sort of fated rivals for Parramatta in the Harold Matthews grade. And the Harold Matthews team having wins over them in the regular season. So hopefully they can continue that pain. Exactly. Um, and, book and that's the grand book final qualifier coming up. That's right, yeah. They book a spot in the grand final if they win there. All right. Now, I'll just run quickly through the results in the last three matches. Uh, poor Wenty girls, uh, uh, women, sorry, uh, got a flogging 70 to nil with Mounties running out 70 points to nil victors. Uh, as we've touched on in the previous weeks, Wendy's first year in this competition. Uh, a lot of inexperienced uh, women in this team, um, so they've still got a lot of work to work on. And um, fingers crossed they can, uh, you know, at least get a try, not next week, but the week after, because they've got a buy next week. Um, so hopefully they can get the two points next week. <laughs> um, then Shield, Wendy 30, Owls 20, and Ron Massey Cup, Wenty 20, and Guildford Owls 24. So that much fallen Ron Massey Cup team, um, they've got to find a bit of form. All right, well, I think that might wrap us up. All right, well, I don't think we've got too much to preview, but um, we'll run through them because uh, now that we don't have the uh, the other junior rep games, uh, straight into the Harold Matthews preview, which will see the Eels taking on the Knights at 4.30pm on Saturday at St. Mary's. Um, get down there if you can. Do you know how much entry is? It's about 5 bucks, isn't it, 40 it depends on um, club to club, but I'd say it's either 5 or $10. Some, some places will give you free entry if you're getting early enough, but given that it's the grand final qualifier, I'd say it's either a 5 or a 10 and that'll get you a nifty little program as well, which features all the action from the weekend, team whistle and all that sort of stuff. And as touched on just before, in our round nine, which was the last round of the regular season, uh, the boys ran out 42-8 to eight victors over the Knights, um, so they'll want to repeat that effort this week. Absolutely. And the pressure of a grand, of a grand final qualifier, you know, adds a different element to the game. There'll be, you know, perhaps a few early mistakes and nerves, but, you know, the boys just got to do what they've been doing, which is play tough through the middle with Peter Tatio and their captain, uh, I always forget, uh, Troy, Troy Mooney, uh, Trey Mooney, sorry. Always, for some reason, I just have a mental block whenever I talk about, um, Mooney. You know, good, good player and the captain, but it just gets my head done. But, you know, they'll play tough through the middle of those two boys and young Toey as well at lock. And from there, they've got the outside backs that'll do a job finishing things off of the hands and boots of um, young Jacob Arthur. Yep, so um, get out there on the Saturday. I don't think there's yeah, too abs- much other absolutely. leg on. It's always the junior reps are great fun in a regulation round. But for a grand final qualifier, and if we get to the big dance, it's fantastic. You get a pretty um, parochial crowd of the parents and friends and family getting out there and cheering for the boys. 
and um, <laughs> it leads to some colourful chants and cheering and jeering. Um, but yeah, you get a chance to see Parramatta's future coming through. And um, in the Herald Mats, we've done really well for quite a while now, and it's starting to transition through to Ball and Flag, and you know, eventually into ISP next year once the the Flag guys graduate this year. And just on that St Mary's uh, down at their field, it's the bottom there near the roundabout. Um, if if you're really interested, there's a go bananas just um, close to the field. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, um, let's jump on. Sorry, go. I was just going to say you're doing the um, Arrested Development thing, investing in bananas, are you? <laughs> um, okay let's quickly move on now shield Wenty in first position taking on penrith brothers in ninth position uh, it's a full day out at Ringrose. um although we're going to have to cut it short because we've got eels playing tigers at 4 10 p.m at AFZ. Um, lucky, lucky that ham sandwiches in here he would have been fired up about it again that's right um but starting it all off on the sunday 9 a.m at Ringrose. Uh, Wenty in first position, taking on Brothers in ninth position. Um, but it's the Guildford Owls that are really our feeder team uh, in that squad, um, and they're not doing too great um, this season. I think they've got one win. But anyway, Wenty's associated with the Eels, so um, hopefully they can get another win uh, this weekend. Um, and then running out to Ron Massey Cup, which will see Wenty in seventh, uh, seventh position, taking on Penrith Brothers in 10th position, Sunday 1pm at Ringrose. Um, hopefully a uh, bit of return to form for some of those players. Yep. Um, in the uh, Women's New South Wales Premiership, they have a bye this week, so they can pick up those two points, uh, hopefully dust themselves off, uh, run a couple of post-training sessions and um, try to get a bit, um, you know, work on those combinations and see if they can't uh, s- uh, sharpen up their defence. Uh, then in the flag, which will see Eels in 7th position taking on the Tigers in 12th position at 11am at Ringrose. Um, again, as uh, Forty just touched on, we've played the, the two top four teams in the last two weeks. So hopefully uh, coming up against the Tigers, who have been going all right but not that great, um, we can pick up a win. Yeah, the, the flag Tigers are sort of the um, opposite of their two senior grades in that the West Magpies are top of the table and the West Tigers and the NRL are, you know, top four or thereabouts. But uh, they're anchored to the bottom of the table at the moment in flag without a win, if I recall correctly. That's right, 0-7. Uh, you, you never take a game for granted in these competitions. Um, it doesn't take much to see a, turn, a team turn, you know, a winless season into a 44-10 to thrashing, as Parramatta fans can attest to from Sunday. But, you know, hopefully they'll get the two points, um, sort of re- reignite their mid-season form. And, you know, sort of go from nearly putting away the top dogs to doing just that in the coming weeks. All right. And just on the, the Tigers, I guess um, they're juniors for the for the last couple of years, those uh, Harold Matz SG ball. And now into flag, uh, they've sort of been going backwards under previous tenures and, you know, the split between the two clubs or four yeah, clubs. It, it put a lot of pressure on Ivan Cleary when he came into the joint to try and fix things up. And he's obviously done a really useful job uh, in the... Uh, ISP with his um you know extended NRL recruitment the guys that are top thirty and um and playing down in that grade have done a really good job from um Mahe Fanur and uh, there was a couple other guys in there that put the the cleanest for us in round four but as far as the juniors are concerned and once again this is something that Parramatta fans should appreciate is that you can't fix it overnight uh, it, it takes a long time to get this you know ship righted and for the eels we're only just now seeing the fruits of it and you know we got. Reed Marnie and Dylan Brown, and we recruited Jamin Salmon, and we've got these, you know, wingers in Ethan Parry and uh, Hayes Dunster, and you've got these, 
you know, edge forwards and Celeste Fahinga and whatnot that are about to, you know, hit senior grade football, but it takes time. And for us, it took, you know, four years, nearly five years, but we're there. And we've got, you know, multiple ways of kids coming through. And on, on that note, I just want to give a shout out to Stefano Otoikamanu, who played off the bench. I think he might have even started last week. It's hard to tell. Um, but he is the first SG ball player to be promoted to uh, flag this year for us. And he's a young mountain of a kid, uh, really talented, uh, physical, explosive, got good work ethic for a big boy. So he just needs to stay healthy. But he had a, a pretty long stint for his um, debut game in Flegg, and he's off the bench this week. So um, hopefully he gets more um, game time, and hopefully his big brother, uh, Philia, gets a chance to return from his um, neck injury that he sustained in um, 18's Origin last year. He's due back soon, knock on wood. And just one last uh, touch when we're talking about uh, Tigers, juniors. Um, if anybody else wants another podcast which touches on all league, um, well, all top flight league, just uh, the NRL competition, um, one of the uh, coaches for the Tigers, Harold Matthews team, uh, runs a podcast, Fifth and Last. Um, check them out. They're pretty honest, although uh, it's a Titans and a Melbourne Storm supporter, so sometimes you sort of got to take... Honest, uh... honest <laughs> with a Melbourne Storm supporter. <laughs> no, they're quite good, and um, obviously coming from a coaching background, and I think both of them played flag um, at least, and one of them played ISP, so they've got a pretty good background in the game, um, give a pretty good rundown on all things uh, uh, top-flight rugby, so, uh, rugby league, so um, give that a listen. Um, it's quite good. Um, I know I subscribe to about is this, 10. Is this the podcast equivalent of follow me and I'll follow you back? <laughs> well, there's plenty of good ones out there and, you know. There are, um, there are, there are some good league podcasts and um, Fifth and Last is definitely one worth listening to, guys. So if you've got the time, you know, spare on commuting or at work, uh, give them a listen. Is this the one that throws shades at us because we only have dozens of followers? No, no, no. That's that. What are that podcast wars going on. <laughs> no, no, no. That was that was the comment of um, that league by the fireplace. I don't know if anybody yeah. has uh, listened to that before, but those blokes, I think they just fire up on um, the hashish or something before they go and record. They're all over the place. <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll jump into ISP, which you'll see um, as we're talking about, but just before a revenge match game, Wenty in eighth position taking on Wests in first position. Um, so they drubbed us in round four, 44 to four. And um, that was a really bad outing. Uh, it starts at 3 p.m. So I don't think anybody will be getting down there to watch it, given that Eels take on Tigers at 4, 10 p.m. on Sunday. Um, but, oh, sorry, um, hopefully the boys will um, get out there and um, put in like they have the last, uh, well, two uh, rounds that they've played, minus the, the bye week. For those that are interested in following along online but can't get out there, if you go to um, live, L-I-V-E dot N-S-W-R-L dot com dot A-U, there's a pretty good match center for ISP and the, the junior grades as well. So you'll get um, real-time score updates and interchanges and all that sort of stuff. Um, and you can track the game that way. Unfortunately, there's not going to be any hands-on reporting, I don't think, until we get the highlights. But uh, hopefully, Wendy, <clears throat> sorry, hopefully Wendy can knock them over in the Magpie Derby, which I suppose we could name the Shiny Things Cup or something. Um, but uh, but as far as Wendy's concerned, unfortunately, Greg Lelisiao is out again. I sh- I didn't see the injury report, but I assume it's his ankle. He um was clutching at it late in that game against uh, Penrith, and it seems to have bothered him since the preseason. And it's um, it says thumb of- this week, unfortunately. Thumb was it? Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was thumb in the uh, injury that, um, report. The ankle late <laughs> in the game, but um, you know when it's not when it's not your like luck, you know it sort of hits you every week, doesn't it? And Greg's been in and out of the Wenty team twice now. He missed the first few weeks from round one, came back, did his ankle, came back, 
and is uh he's fun now yeah so he's only played two games for Wenty so he's desperately short in match fitness and can't you know catch a break unless it's his farm it seems so uh, that means Wenty's team looks a little bit weak on paper once more but we are expecting the likes of um, Cameron King Josh Hoffman and Kane Evans to drop back and um, take free starting spots unless something unforeseen happens on match day I don't know what's going to happen with Tepai whether he comes into the NRL team and pushes someone down but it's going to be pretty hard to change a winning lineup barring Jared's um, hip injury so uh, Wenty, you know, not not a pretty-looking team on paper, but they've showed up for the last two games and knocked over two of the bigger dogs in the competition. Can they make it three out of three when they face the um the table-topping uh, Western Suburb Magpies? Let's hope so. Just on Magpies, those bastards are friggin' wily. Last spring, um, just across the coffee shop that I usually go to, as soon as they put up the sign to say Magpies nesting here, the bastards stopped swooping. <laughs> We, uh, I had a had a farm, a family farm back um, in uh, Bonville when I lived. A really friendly um, family of magpies there, and they are clever bastards. Uh, they are very sociable if they don't hate you, but unfortunately, most magpies hate humans and like the five dive bomber. But, well, know, I had to stop. I had to start. Sorry, I had to start walking home a different route because the one I'd go to, I'd get swooped, and then I would I would walk on the opposite side of the street. And the magpie would be sitting on the grass up there on the opposite side of the street waiting for me. <laughs> the, that, oh. that whole genus, and it's not just that particular like line, but crows, ravens, magpies, incredibly, incredibly intelligent things. Uh, one of the few animals that can actually use like multi-stage problem-solving with tools. So that's um, really, really clever. And I suppose the um, the adage bird brain doesn't really apply to them. You guys fed ink were scared of birds? No, I'm not scared of birds. Uh, I just don't like getting swooped by magpies. Hey, birdie. <laughs> I, I had a friendly, I had a friendly, friendly family of magpies. Man, they would eat out of my hand at the farm. Hey, birdie. What are magpies gonna do? Just you know, just grab them. You know, fucking break their necks, punch them. Okay, them calm, down. Oh, calm, calm down, calm down. Oh, there, animal cruelty. Next bit. Look, next bit. You're gonna look, say we've, you're scared of ducks. We've, geese we've, and we've already that. got league by the fireside so like ripping into us. We don't need Peter coming after us, <laughs> mate. Birdie, oh, yeah. you're probably too young. With yeah. there was a movie by Alfred Hitchcock called The Birds. Go and watch that, and tell me you're not afraid of birds. And by the way, oh, you shouldn't God. be messing. You shouldn't be messing with animals because Australia's got a bad history of that. You ever read about the Great Emu War? We got our asses kicked by a bunch of birds before, man. Don't mess with them. And, and just oh, one last thing on birds. Um, anybody following the NFL, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will have their third draft <laughs> pick great. announced by a parrot. Yes, a parrot. <laughs> And it'll be announced on a pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium. So uh, the draft is coming Seriously? up, I think, on Friday Australia time. For those not familiar with the NFL draft, after the first round, which is like the real serious business on, on day one, night one, um, the, the following rounds start to get a little bit weird. And, um, you know, they start getting all sorts of things out there. But a parrot's a new first. I, I they had an orangutan last year, didn't they? That, yeah, like, last, press the button or something. Last year you had the Cowboys legend give it to the Philadelphia fans. Yeah. That was awesome, yeah. yeah so no. what you're saying is they crack a keg after the first round and it's, everybody gets a bit loose and it's on, is it? Well, yeah, they, pretty much. Really, it's always on. And they get loose all the time. They, they, they had to grease up the poles for the um for the yeah, uh, still, Super Bowl qualifier. I think someone ate horse shit as well. You know, so <laughs> they they won the Super Bowl. They're made in Super Bowl, yeah. and they still trash the city. Fucking Imagine if they lost. They're, they're the Penrith for the NFL. Bunch of ferals. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's disrespectful to Penrith. <laughs> the, the Philly, the Philly breeder, they're they're a different sort. They're impressive. 
They threw batteries at a dude that was dressed as Santa. Like, oh this is going back a few decades now, but they, they booed Santa and threw batteries at him. Well, he asked for some charge, um, so he got just, some. <laughs> just, just one last thing. Um, my favorite bit from the uh, the draft last season was when uh, the the Bears traded up to get uh, Kiss Titties. Yeah. <laughs> and there was just one <laughs> Green Bay fan in the room that just lost his shit and laughing. <laughs> Um, all right, well, we'll get on to um, – we'll save that for the NFL podcast. Uh, moving on to first grade, which will see the Eels taking on the Tigers at 4.10 p.m. at ANZ Stadium. Uh, 50 games for King Gutho, so get out there, get out there, support it again. Um, there was a fair few Eels fans out, 11K last Sunday after the back of seven, six losses. That's not a bad um, deal. And even the Manly fans were pretty good in defeat, I have to say, well, at least the ones near me. Um, all had a bit of a laugh of it. Swings and roundabouts after round two, so – um, lots of fun there. Um, run straight into the team list, which we'll see uh, Captain Clint Gutherson in the fullback jersey. Bevan French makes a return to the wing from that shoulder injury with George Jennings on the opposite wing. And Hayne, of course, out with that uh, re-injury to his hip, which will see him out for four weeks. Uh, Michael Jennings... different part of the hip, though, at least. Which yeah, it was a different know, muscle. Bad, yeah, yeah. There's a... It's much lower down, so... Lower, lower. So Too fingers... Low. Fingers crossed he can get back. Uh, in the centres, Michael Jennings and Brad Takarangi. Six and seven is Norman and Moses again. Eight, Alvaro. Ten, Matungi is going to start again. And he had a great return to form last season. Hopefully he can get a bit of consistency. Yeah, that was a, it wasn't pretty on the stats sheet when you look at it on you know, a run, metres per run basis, but he played tough, didn't he? Really set the platform. Um, him and Daniel Alvaro as well, he played a really long opening stint. Let's see um, more of that from those two boys this week. Yeah, Polo with 32 minutes to, to start it all off. He was um, just a workhorse in the middle of the field. Um, then on in nine, Kayser Pritchard, which seems to have knocked uh, Cameron King out of the side for good, um, at least until, well, hopefully he doesn't get any more HIAs. <laughs> it's unlucky for King, isn't he? He had a, a really solid game for Wente, and then Kayser goes out and plays his best game of first grade ever. So, uh, yeah, more of that from Kayser, please. You run hard and pass well and... You know, it sets a team up like a sort of mini Isaac Luke. And then second row is Manu Mau, Tony Williams, 13, Penny Terrapo. And the interchange bench is Will Smith, Kenny Edwards, David Gower, and Tim Manor, co-captain on the bench. Um, I like Tim Manor coming off the bench last week. I thought that might be his favourite position. Now he's sorting. He's on the um, the back end of his career. Um, so let's see some more from that from Captain Timmy. Letting, letting that halftime break sort of split his stint. Um, is like a more efficient way of his um, time allocation, isn't it? It lets him go harder for two shorter stints and provide probably um, more consistent quality. Not, and not it like also helps when you have all the ball. But like it lets him up the ante just a little bit that much more. And it certainly helps when you've got the ball and you're not making uh, tackles for an extra 10 sets yeah, in defence. Also, also <laughs> true. Also true. Um, in the extended bench, Tepe Moroa, Kane Evans, Josh Hoffman, Cameron King, uh, Kane Evans took well to his uh, demotion down to Wenty, uh, whether that's for match fitness or because he's been lacking a bit of, um, well, I guess the, the right stuff um, in first grade. Um, he took that well and he had a really good game. Uh, Tep Moroa, not sure if he'll be right to come back from those uh, head knocks if he needs to have another week out, so be it. Um, yeah, but if he I'll comes back that. in the team, you think it might be in place of David Gower, and that'd be unfortunate. As good as Tep is, uh, Gower just—he uh, always has good games against the Tigers. It's a—it's the old club syndrome, isn't it? Turning up for one of your old clubs, and um, but yeah, I, on, on a personal note, and you probably appreciate this too, Hamish and Birdie, 
as um, someone that follows the NFL pretty closely, um, concussions and um, CTE are nothing to mess with. So I would not be Definitely opposed not. to Tep taking another week or two off if that's what it means to get his head right. Yeah, um, like I, I yeah. reckon if if you have, I I, re- I believe if you've if you've been concussed and you you can't play, you have to play, you have to miss a week. Now, if you come back and do it again, you're gonna miss two weeks. Like um, a player in AFL, he did it. He had he had three concussions in the first two months, and then after that, he took off the whole year. Like it's just yeah, you don't mess yeah. with this kind of and you know like he's got a young family as well. So like you know, I think I'm sure he he's not the one. He's not getting pressured to play, but he's probably he has to be smarter and think. You know what? I'm gonna look after my body, you know, right now. So and not ten Tep years. Does down have the track. a young family now? I think he he had his first bub not too long ago, if I recall correctly, off social media. So yeah. it's easy to lose sight of the big picture as an elite, you know, sportsman when you're getting paid six figures plus. But um, we've done the right thing by our guys when it comes to head knocks. I know that we've been criticised by the media for cheating the uh, the concussion protocol and the HIA process. But when it comes to actual head knocks, you look at what we did with Isaac de Goyce, how we've handled Tepai. Um, you know, we we took him off in that Melbourne uh, first week final last year when he was the best player on the field. And he missed the next game against North Queensland, which ended up costing us our spot in the finals. So we don't mess around with head knocks. I'm very proud of the club in that regard. So um, as we said, I wouldn't mind if Tepai sat out another week or two, just get himself right. And just on, on that, it seems unfortunate for Tep. He seems to get them when he's actually carrying the ball as opposed to uh, bad tackling technique Yeah, uh, in it, it's one of those real bad luck things, isn't it? If you watch it, it's just like the head knock directly rather than putting his head on the hip or the knee of the opposition or anything. He's um just got really, really could, shit luck at the moment. It could be a union thing because in union, they're taught to like run low and like, yeah, the body you're right. low. So it just could be like... No, you know, Tep, Tep, Tep runs pretty upright if you watch him. I think he's just had really bad luck when it comes to that. Yeah. And, you know, that's, once again, sport in a nutshell. Some guys can, um you know, come back from stupidly busted knees like JT and Origin a couple of years back. And some guys, you know, get sneezed on and they, you know, are out for two months like young Brad Parker from Manly. Yeah. You know, getting up to play the ball and he did a meniscus injury on his knee, which sucks. It was a reoccurrence of the one he did last year, unfortunately, for um, for Brad mm-hmm. Parker. But uh, shout out to all the, the everybody at the the stadium. All clapped him off. Uh, weren't doing the the Penrith booing every player as soon as they go down. Um, you know, even if they are your arch rivals, you've 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 got to sort of you know put it up. And and he's been great for for Manly, Brad Parker. He's a great uh, addition to their squad. And and yeah, um, one of, one of those guys that you sort of scoffed at when you saw him lined up. It's like who's this jabroni? But he's um been very solid, hasn't he? Yeah, I think his preferred position is centre, but um, highlighting on wing at the moment with, uh, um, oh, what's his name, he just came back, who didn't have a very good game himself at centre from the leg break. What's but, his name? As you touched Dylan, on earlier, uh, no. Dylan, Dylan's coming back from a pretty nasty yeah. injury. So, um, you know, as bad as it is for him playing for Manly, you know, awful place and all that, he'll um, take a little bit of time to come back because those bad leg breaks often take a full season of playing to get back to your best in the following year. Mm, talking about coming back from injury, Clint Gutherson from that ACL, he's been absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. And that just goes to his work ethic and all yep, the, the that, all exactly he's right. put in in the um, preseason. Yeah, um, Quint, Quint's a, a freak in that regard. And, you know, it's when I say freak, it's not just like blessed of athletics, but his um, desire to win, to compete, you know, to, to put in to give himself the best possible chance of, you know, being the best player in the field in a week or coming back from a second AC all the way he did. Um, it speaks volumes of his character. And once again, it's why he's now, you know, the the captain of the club. 
All right, now let's get into West Tigers team list. Sorry if we're boring. <laughs> Went a bit on a tangent there. Um, in the one jersey, Corey Thompson retains the fullback jersey in favour of... Um, oh, gosh, his name's escaped me at the moment. Come on. He kicked... Lord. Yeah, Tui. Um, so we'll be thanking that yeah. Tui isn't here um, to kick conversions. Hopefully we keep West Tigers to nil, but um, he won't yeah. be uh, banging him from the sideline this week. <laughs> Um, then on to the wingers, uh, Malachi Wateni Zalezniak and David Nofaluma uh, returns after last time. I think he was out in Reggie's. Uh, Isan Masters and Kevin Nagama in the centres. Isan Masters has been fantastic as a, as a young centre coming through. Um, also in the halves, Luke Brooks and Benji Marshall, who have both played rather well. Benji Marshall gets the captain along with Elijah Taylor in the lock position. Talking about head knocks, um, Taylor coming back from a really bad one last week. Um, quite surprised that he's actually been named in the 13. Um, then on to their starting props, former Eel Matthew Eisenhuth and Ben Matalino, which sees uh, Romper Stomper out um, with injury and also, uh, sorry, Russell Packer, and also uh, Alex Twile out with a shoulder injury. So a uh, bit lighter in the middle, although Eisenhuth and Matalino are, are definitely um, big bodies uh, that can play extended minutes. Uh, at hooker, Jacob Little gets a start. He also had a head knock last week. And Chris, Chris Lawrence comes back from injury in the second row with Robbie Rocco also playing in the second row. And as touched on before, Elijah Taylor in the 13. On the interchange is Peter Godinay. Uh, I pronounce, I, I had a couple of goes at this um, before we started recording. Josh Alaye, Michael Cheekham, and Suaso Su. Um, and then in reserves, Tim Grant, Chris McQueen, Tyson Gamble, and Mahe Fanua. It doesn't sound like that the Tigers are going to be changed um, from their 1-17 to 17 unless Elijah Taylor, Taylor has some sort of head knock. So uh, in round four, we went down 30-20 to 20 with a late flurry to get us back to that 20 points. But um, defensive issues last season, so um, uh, sorry, last week, so we'll have to remedy that this week because the West Tigers have shown in the last couple of weeks that they can score tries now. Uh, their defence is not to be uh, reckoned with. And um, they'll be hurting after coming off that last second uh, or last minute loss to Newcastle last week with that crossfield kick. Uh, fantastic Bura. from Jamie Bura to, um, to, to the skin. Lord, Sean Kenny Dow. Yeah. Um, who came up with a fantastic play to put that down right on the uh, last minute of the game. So, uh, boys will be have to up for it. But if we play anything like last week, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, if, if we play, you know, within you know seventy to eighty percent of what we did last week, we're going to have a real shot at winning this. Now, obviously, that's going to be the benchmark you're going to hold for for a while now until you get another big win. Uh, you take away those couple of defensive struggles, which you, you can't, you know, just ignore them. You've got to put them on tape and, and study why Manly scored twice and then nearly scored another three times uh, that will come were brought back for various reasons. But, you know, you give yourself a real shot like PM was getting on before and for the last sort of month. Uh, respect your possession. Don't give away penalties. You know, play tough through the middle and you're going to be there in every game. And I think the way we attack when we're fluent really troubles the Tigers, as you saw in our round four matchup where, you know, we, we bled a lot of points early on, including two really soft tries, one to Kevin Naguama and one on the other side. I can't remember who scored that one, but there were, you know, Corey the Kevin Naguama one was, you know, he was tackled two meters short and everyone sort of fell over him in the cleanup process and he sort of just got up and smiled and put the ball down couldn't believe his luck and that cost us 12 points because Lola here decided he was going to kick for once um, and in the end we lost by 10 points so you know you, you tidy those sort of things up and you, you play the football that we played against Manly 
and you're right there. Yeah, I don't think we played for for any more than about 60 minutes in that game against the Tigers. There's a 20 minute lapse. There's probably 10 in the first half and 10 in the second half that cost us dramatically in that game. And mm-hmm. that's something we've we've improved on. The game against the Panthers a couple of weeks ago, we played for the full 80 minutes. We couldn't score points, but we're probably on top of the Panthers for a lot of the game. The following week against the Raiders, the conditions didn't suit us. It was wet. It was horrible. But we still only let, considering how dominant they were, we still only let in three tries. And last week it all sort of clicked together. Yeah, the effort was there. That's exactly right. And that's the difference here. I think we've just got to run up in the forwards. They're missing um, Packer and Twall, who I think are probably those two. And Matalino are probably their best three front rowers in the side. So Matalino's there. Eisenhoof is starting there. Chris Lawrence coming back from an injury. Elijah Taylor may not line up yet. He's got to go through a head assessment later in the week. I think we can get him in the forwards, and that'll allow the backs to play with the ball like they did against Manly, but we've just got to make sure we go forward first, back to what we did last week. Go forward first, and then you can go sideways later. And that's what really impressed me last week, how we, we dominated the middle of the ruck first and then allowed us to play some football later in the match. So that's what we've got to do again. The Tigers' defence, very good. has been very good all season. So we've just got to make sure that we hold the ball, don't give away dumb penalties, and win the forward battle. And and for myself, I think you look at that lineup, and you know the sort of they're playing better as a whole than the, the some of the individual parts. But um, I think you you say Eason Masters, uh, Jacob Liddell, and probably Benji Marshall are the big three to look out there because Masters is almost impossible to stop him from offloading and promoting the football. He's fantastic at it. Um, Liddell really carved us up when he came off the bench in round four. And Benji's been a, a real big threat in the red zone with his footwork and his ability to get that sneaky little kick in behind the line. So you you put a little nose free and you sort of you know try and limit Luke Brooks's impact on the game. He's playing some good football too, and you know you're right there. But they're not going to go away easy. And as much as I want to have a second you know thumping win and help that point differential normalise again, uh, they're going to play us tough. And just one thing I wanted to touch on from <clears throat> sorry from last week was um, the the space that was created around Robbie Rocco and uh, Benji Marshall in defence. If you're going to attack, that's somewhere definitely to attack because Rocco had nine missed tackles and Benji racked up a couple himself, and that seemed to be where the Knights had a bit of joy um, pumping through that yeah. sort of section there. So isolating Benji, uh, wearing him out. Of course, he's got a great head on his shoulders these days, um, a little bit of a, ren- a ren- renaissance from from him this season. Um, but if you can sort of take out those halves, um, especially kick pressure, because uh, the West Tigers have the best uh, record in total kicks and kick metres. So we really need to pressure their, those two in their kicking game to sort of get a bit of joy and um, decide where we get the ball back. Um, and, of course, having George Jennings returning the ball. Um, French is a smaller body, but hopefully he's got that shorter, uh, sorry, that shoulder fixed up so he can return um, some of that those balls. And, of course, Clint Gutherson, um, he's wily at fullback and, and can certainly run the ball back with a bit of venom as well. Um, another thing, uh, there's two little stats here that I want to read out. Um, actually, there's a couple more than two. Um, but any <laughs> um, so Para have lost to the tig- lost to the Tigers earlier in this season. However, we haven't lost to them twice in the same season in a six in six years. Um, also, on the back of that, Para may have lost five of their past six games at ANZ. However, with Gutherson Gutherson in the team, we've won our past six games at ANZ. Um, so Gutherson seems to be the lucky charm, and then. Um, Sorry, West Tigers with the best defensive record 
and our head-to-head results against West Tigers uh, at this venue, nine wins to Eels, four wins to Tigers out of 13, and then overall since the West Tigers' inception into the league, uh, Eels 20 wins, Tigers 15, of a total 36 with one draw coming in that as well. So hopefully we can return to form of our um, more dominant uh, record against West Tigers, uh, play them like they are a top-force team, but um, we know that this squad has uh, a lot more potential than we've delivered in the first six weeks, and it showed last last week. I want to hear what Birdie's got to say, really. Actually, I want to hear Birdie's Yeah, team. sorry, sorry. He's been a bit a bit quiet there. Murata's not in the extended bench. Sorry, what did you say? So not in the extended bench. Well, I'm just used to having a great conversation. I was just listening, pay attention, you know, scrolling on the Twitter. That's why I put a, I put a couple uh, images in the chat. So. At Bevan Heaven, if you want to get him on Twitter, at Bevan Heaven. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, i any... do that later on. Yeah. Well, well, how about we get into some predictions? <laughs> so I'll jump into you, Bertie, now. Um, winner and um, any uh, – just just one thing that's going to stand out for you this game. It doesn't have to be first try score. Just, just something you think a point of difference this game. Uh, okay, so Paramount's going to win uh, 28-6. to six. And I say that there's going to be a punch-on. I reckon there's going to be a punch-on. Uh, maybe, oh, is Packer in or is he out? No, no, no he's, he's out. out. He's out. Uh, who can we punch on with? Maybe, maybe the Benji Chet might be back, you know, when he had that awful game for the Dragons, you know? Benji. <laughs> I don't know, man. Probably, yeah. Without, which, without, without an injury, you know, being predicted, I honestly, the only, the only unpredictability I see in rugby league is us winning the penalty count 10 0 <laughs> or there's a punch on in the game, you know, and nothing like that. Yeah, that's it, really. All right, well, I'll move on to you, 40. Um, Bertie's got a bit philosophical on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Para, para almost have to go back to back. You know, you've got to harness that momentum from the Sunday victory over Manly. And, you know, given that we've got a, a, I think I wrote it down in my blog, a margin of error of about five games now. You've got five more games that you can drop this year if you want to realistically make the finals. We've got to win in clumps and in big clumps. And we did that in 2017. So let's do it again this year, starting with the Tigers. Uh, so I'll tip us to win. Scoreline's really hard to get a finger on. I think I'll put two scorelines. If we play the way we did against Manly, I think we'll have a, a pretty handy win. I'd say thirty-two to twelve. Uh, if we drop back a little bit and the Tigers, you know, play us tough and gritty like you expect them to, um, let's go twenty-two fourteen. Um, and for me, the the storyline that I'm most interested in this game, more than first try scorer and whatnot, is whether Kayser can repeat his efforts from um, Sunday. If he can, you know, be that running man, be that Isaac Luke. Um, getting out of dummy half with that, you know, rapid acceleration and that wiry strength, uh, that that could be the single most important thing for the Eels um, to aid their, you know, smaller but more mobile pack and to get their halves on the front foot. Yeah, I think we can get the victory again. Um, Twenty-two points to ten. Um, I think Manu Mahu will back up last week's performance. He'll score another try this week, but not on the wing. He'll probably he'll score it just to the right hand side of the uprights. I reckon he'll. Cut back on an angle and score just to the right-hand side of the post. Um, I could just see basically our forwards just continuing on from last week. Tony Williams will go well again. Penny Terrapo will go well. And as you said, Forty, it'd be good to see Kayser back up his performance last week. If he can play 90% as good as he did last week, it will put us in the box week for a win again. 
All right, and my storyline coming out of this game is the battle of the halfbacks, former teammates, current roommates, uh, Mitch Moses and Luke Brooks. Because Ham's not here, I can talk about Origin. <laughs> in the preseason, Moses sort of touted as a possible number seven. Um, I think that's gone now. I don't think he's got a chance to play number seven for New South Wales this year. Um, and our first self, six weeks, selfishly, I love that. I, I don't want our boys playing Origin. I love Origin. Don't want him playing it. Yeah, exactly. And just on the other side of that coin, Luke Brooks sort of been touted up as a potential Origin. They had uh, he had a Players Voice article last week about not reading into too much of his hype. Uh, he's been very good for the West Tigers early this season. Uh, his kicking game, his running game right at the line, passing, uh, forcing repeat sets, uh, long kicking game as well. So um, battle of these two uh, former teammates. Uh, hopefully Moses comes out on top. Um, and if he plays anywhere like he did last week, I can definitely see us coming out on top. But I think like with all these uh, Tigers games, even though they sort of trounced us last time, uh, it still ended up only a 10-point margin. Um, so my thought is it's going to be a very close affair again um, and possibly us to drop back a little bit. Uh, I think Manly were definitely in the wrong headspace last week and we certainly uh, didn't step back. Um, but there's still some uh, things that to be worried about, especially our, our defence. It seemed that when uh, Manly got piggyback penalties, which they did twice, uh, we just went to sleep on our goal line and let in two pretty soft tries around the edges and well, potentially could have let in three more. That's the um, other story I probably should have touched on is how the officials will treat us for the second week in a row because we got the rub of the green big time on Sunday. Like I said, it was it felt like the Manly Seagulls were officiated the way we usually were and vice versa for us. So let's see how it goes this Sunday against West. Yeah, I've just I just got one more comment back with um with Mitch Moses and Luke Brooks being roommates. I mean, if Mitch wants to get one over him early, if he sneaks into his room and puts two left boots in his bag. So when he turns up at the ground with two left boots, it'll piss him right off. <laughs> and put him, put him in a bad headspace to start the day. Wouldn't that be a, wouldn't that be a shit thing to do to your roommate? <laughs> yeah, you say that, but um, you know, J- Jared famously didn't need someone to do that for him for the um grand final in 09. He left his um boots back at home, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And yeah. I was going to harken back to another shoe story, which came from the uh, late nineties. Um, so hopefully, no poos in shoes. <laughs> Actually, not sloshies. <laughs> Lovely. And come, come to think of it, Manly might have to call on that player shortly because he's still on their books for this year, and they run out of troops does, rather does fast. Out of retirement. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to wrap it all up. Um, so, Bertie, you're on Twitter at uh, Seven Heaven One. So uh, the draft is in this Friday, but I've got another sport to plug this week. So my NBL team, Sydney Kings, have signed probably okay. the best Australian to ever play in NBA, I reckon. And Andrew Gaze, he's made, he made a comeback, has he? Well, well in, a couple, in a couple of years, it'll be Ben Simmons, but for now, yeah. it's uh, his... It is, and, it is Andrew Bogart, yeah the, yeah, the human screen. Oh, he's and, massive. And, yeah, he's, and, he's great. And, and like, he, 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 he's, he's brutally honest you know, on Twitter and... And the conference, he said, you know, if I wanted to have money, I would have went to China and I wanted to come back and work on my brand, help as long as my brand is not damaged. So, you know, it's, it's good to see the Kings are in the right direction. I knew supporting them since they've come back with all those floggings, it will pay off. And now it's going to pay off. We're going to make the play, make, of the, make the playoffs and hopefully win the, win the championship. But, yeah, you know, I was just saying I haven't been to a game since 04 back when they won um, their second championship, but... It's a good signing, you know. To see you won't get, get back in the league. In the you country. won't get a ticket now, Bertie. Everybody want to go. Fan, we we talked about it 
we, we talked about earlier today, didn't we, Bertie, that there's a few Aussies starring in the NBA playoffs at the moment. You said Ben Simmons for the 76ers out of Philadelphia. Um, Dante Exum's out at um, Utah, is it? Yeah, Utah. Yeah, Jazz. Yeah, as well. Fonmaker is yeah. playing off the bench for, um, oh, God. Fonmaker's playing for, is it the Bucks? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, Fonmaker um, for the Matty, Bucks, yep. And, and Matty Delavadova's there for the Bucks as well, yeah, I think. And then you got one so. also who got drafted by the Sixers, Jonah yeah. Bolden. Jonah Bolden, who's but, playing the EuroLeague at the moment. Yeah. So, like, legitimately, yeah. we're like a, we're like the sec- I reckon we're the second best nation in terms yeah. of basketball behind, obviously, well, America. But, yeah. Ben, ben Simmons is being talked up as the next LeBron James, and he's delivering big time in his, you know, rookie. Well, there's a little bit of a little bit of dispute over whether he's a rookie because he um, he redshirted his first year due to a really nasty leg injury. Yeah. But uh, he's going to win Rookie of the Year, and he's going to take Philly at least one series deep in the playoffs, you'd think. I think so, they can win the... Um, the Eastern con- Conference? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I reckon it's them and uh, Golden State in the final. Yeah, so... Mm. That'd be some good good TV. Yeah, yeah. Nice thing about basketball, you've, you've only got to have two or three good, really good players, because um, you've only got five and a quarter at a time, so... Yeah, uh, one for, for for Sydney Kings, and hopefully they can well, build a couple. It's, of it's also good. That. It's good for the NBA that after the the super team sort of uh, cold war between Golden State and uh, the Cavaliers, that there's some new blood coming through. So the you know you trust the process. I know Corey dropped that quote on the weekend, but that um that was originally coined for the 76ers and their intentional tanking to get Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and the superstar cast they've got now of young guys. Yeah. Trust <laughs> the process. Okay, 40. Uh, you know, you can catch me at thecumberlandthrow.com where myself, Mitch, 60s, uh, Shelly, you've got a few other um, guest commentators there, Colmack with the stats. Um, we blog about anything and everything Parramatta. Um, my whiskey musings are up on the weekend and it felt good to have a dram after a win. Jeez, it's been a long time. Uh, you can catch us at TCT on Twitter. Uh, we like, we retweet, we tweet a lot of, you know, funny, sometimes not really funny stuff. You know what humor's like, it's very subjective. Uh, but hit us up, whether it's um, commenting on the blogs or um, tweeting us at Eels TCT. And PM? Well, unlike Birdie, my NBA team won today. Utah Jazz, 113 over Oakland. Oklahoma, Whoa, Kansas City. Houston, I was going to say. End no, of friendship. It wasn't against you, at least, but we did win. The Jazz did win. That keeps us alive. Um, yep, you can catch me on Twitter at Parramatters and on our website, supportfirstnambucca.com.au. Plenty of Eels gear on there, and it started selling good this week due to the fact we finally had a win. So jump on there, www.supportfirstnambucca.com.au. Use the discount code PARAPODCAST, and you'll save 10% off your order. All right, PM, where do you stand? You're a Utah Jazz man. Where do you stand on the, uh, the, the Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons Rookie of the Year debate? Oh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, is he a rookie or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think they are. I think they're both rookies. But Donovan Mitchell did play a bit last year, you didn't think he? That, so uh, Simmons, Simmons is rookie of the year. So what did Simmons, Simmons play at all last year? No, he didn't. No, play no. At all, he, so. he played like played like three or four games of summer league, and then fractured his leg, and then it had like a huge growth spurt at 19 years of age, which led to complications with the recovery. So he didn't actually play any um, NBA. Yeah, on, for me, Ben Simmons is the rookie of the year anyway, regardless. You'll put him up against anybody. Hey, the, the, the Utah Jazz can be happy they got a sensational talent anyway in Donovan yeah. Mitchell. Any other year and he wins rookie of the year anyway. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah, he's a great, he's, Mitchell's a great talent, but I don't, I think Ben Simmons is going to be talked about 
in the same level as, say, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and you know. Yeah, well, the, the best way I've seen put online is that uh, Mitchell will be a perennial all-NBA talent and Simmons is potentially all-time. So that, that's yeah. you know, really cool to see two of kids that good come out of the draft class and for Australia as well to maybe for once challenge the Yanks when it comes to the um, the Olympics and any other, you know, A-tier international basketball. All we need is for him to be fit when the Olympics are on. And if he's fit and Dante Exxon's fit, Joe Inglis and a couple of other guys there, we can, Mills, yeah, Paddy Mills, um, we can give the US a run, a, a real good run for it. Well, they gave him a run in the last Olympics without, you know, some of those heavy hitters. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah for most Olympics. of the game, yeah, we did. And if... And if that flat earther prick Kyrie Irving decided to throw for Australia, would have had a superstar team. Do you, speaking of, do you know this is an incredible stat? Of the last, I think, eleven NBA drafts, three number one picks have come from Melbourne, and a number another a number five pick was Dante Exum. So we've had uh, that many top picks in the last um, decade and a bit. So Australian basketball producing. Okay, okay, we're going to run up, yeah. wrap up the NBA pod. <laughs> Too much NBA tonight. <laughs> I'll finish it up. We've got an NFL pod and we've got the Paramount. And we've got the Birds podcast as well. Squawk, squawk, squawk. Okay, we'll wrap up the um, Hamish is in here, or Ham is in here this week. Yeah, no um, so week I'll, this week, unfortunately. Well, I thought I might just plug uh, a bit of music for him, which is... Um, Ah, uh, gosh, I've got it right here. I searched for it just before. Don't choke, God damn um, it. No, no, I haven't. The Killers. I, I missed out on their latest album until I heard it on the radio the other day. Wonderful, wonderful. And there's one song off that, which is um, The Man, which has been playing in my head for the last <laughs> two weeks. Um, so like, get onto that I'm track. I'm going to point this out. I feel like playing, like promoting normie stuff like The Killers goes completely against the spirit of what Ham has been trying to do. You are mainstream heathen. Uh, who cares? Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to put a moral objection in for that recommendation. Not that the Killers are a bad band, but Ham has been promoting real, real hardcore indie stuff, and you've just let him down badly. Oh, well, it's something that's been in my head. So <laughs> anyway, um, uh, to plug us lastly at um, Para Podcast on Twitter and also forward slash Para Podcast on Facebook. Um, now get out there to the game this Sunday. Cheer the boys on. Um off the back of a win, um, let's really get out there and really cheer them home, um, especially for Gutho's 50th game. I'm going to be down there with my daughter. Although this week I won't give her an orange no uh, slushy. Santa slushy. Yeah. <laughs> that was um, a poor form by me. But $3.50 hot dogs, get out there and get one. Is it our home game or is it Tigers? It's, it's our home game. game. They got the, the rights to the Easter Monday game this year. Sweet. All right, boys, well, thanks for joining us this Sunday at 4.10 p.m., Bertie. But the gates open really early, don't they? At 2.30. Yeah, stream it, baby. Show on your phone, man. Hey, day three, Dak came from there. Dak's going to get us to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're out of here, guys. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, that's it, boys. Catch you next week. Let's get another winner. Yeah, and don't forget Antec Day, lest we forget. Yeah, lest we forget indeed, actually. Good point, yeah.